always like to start with something from the suttas. I have a little sutta here for you from the Samyutta Nikaya. And um, it's from the Mahavaga, the Satipatthana Samyutta, number 47. And it's number 14, Ukachela. On one occasion, the Blessed One was dwelling among the Vajians at Ukachela on the bank of the river Ganges together with a great Bhikkhusanga. Not long after Sariputta and Mogalana had attained final Nibbana. Now, you, you must all know probably that Sariputta and Mogalana were the Blessed One's foremost disciples, very, very close to him. And they had both attained final Nibbana. Now on that occasion, the Blessed One was sitting in the open air in the midst of the Bhikkhusanga. Then he addressed Bhikkhusanga. He addressed the assembly and he saw um, that even though Sariputta and Mogalana had attained Nibbana, the assembly was not empty for him. So he said, because this assembly appears to me empty, that's now that Sariputta and Mogalana have attained final Nibbana. This assembly was not empty for me earlier, and I had no concern for whatever quarter Sariputta and Mogalana were dwelling in. The Arahants, the perfectly enlightened ones who arose in the past, also had just such a pair of enlightened ones, of supreme disciples as I had in Sariputta and Mogalana. The Arahants, the perfectly enlightened ones who will arise in the future, will also have just such supreme pair of disciples as I had. In Sariputta and Mogalana. It is wonderful because on the part of the disciples, it is amazing on the part of the disciples that they will act in accordance with the teacher's instructions and comply with his admonitions, that they will be dear and agreeable to the four assemblies, that they will be revered and esteemed by them. It is wonderful because on the part of the Tathagata, it is amazing on the part of the Tathagata that when such a pair of disciples has attained final Nibbana, there is no sorrow or lamentation in the Tathagata. How, because, is it to be obtained here? May what is born come to be conditioned and subject to disintegration, not disintegrate. That is impossible. It is just as if the largest branches would break off a great tree standing possessed of heartwood. So too bhikkhus, in the great bhikkhusanga, standing possessed of heartwood, Sariputta, and Mogalana have attained final Nibbana. How bhikkhus is it to be obtained here? 
May what is born come to be conditioned and subject to disintegration, not disintegrate. That is impossible. Therefore, bhikkhus, dwell with yourselves as your own island, with yourselves as your own refuge, with no other refuge. Dwell with the Dhamma as your island. Dwell with the Dhamma as your refuge, with no other refuge. Those bhikkhus, either now or after I am gone, who dwell with themselves as their own island, with themselves as their own refuge, with no other refuge, with the Dhamma as their island, with the Dhamma as their refuge, with no other refuge. It is those bhikkhus who will be for me topmost of those keen on the training. So here we are in a time when there is so much disintegration in the world. And those of us who practice the Buddha's teachings, we know that all that arises, all that arises is conditioned and passes away. And we too will pass away. We have arisen. We saw the breath arising. We have arisen. Our loved ones have arisen. Our world has arisen. Everything is subject to disintegration. Everything will pass away. This is a law of impermanence. And we are all subject to that law. All that is conditioned will pass away. Just as it arose, so too it will disappear. But if we dwell with ourselves as our own island, with ourselves as our own refuge, and no other refuge, and if we dwell with the Dhamma as our island, with the Dhamma as our refuge, with no other refuge, then we can fulfill this Dhamma and discipline and we will not have cause to lament or sorrow for the passing away of our own bodies or of anyone dear to us. Because we understand this is a law, this is the nature of all conditioned phenomena. And if we are able to fulfill the Buddha's training and realize the truth of this path, if we realize the unconditioned, then the passing away of the khandhas, of these five khandhas, these five heaps of body and mind, then there is no reason, there is no cause for sorrow, lamentation, grief, pain or despair to arise. That will be a cause rather for rejoicing in us. And that is the meaning of taking ourselves as our own refuge, ourselves without there being a self, 
without the construct of self, but just the understanding of the nature of this being. And this is by observing and training daily in taking refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, and in virtue, the cultivation of virtue. Virtue arises on three levels. We all know the importance of virtuous conduct, virtuous speech, but the virtue of the mind is a neglected, often neglected field. And even if we attend retreat after retreat, even if we meditate daily, but we do not live the teaching in our interactions, in our relationships, in our activities, in situations, in times of disaster, if we do not apply what we practice, then we're not really bringing the teacher's teaching into our embodiment of the path. And then when things disintegrate and disappear, we will fall subject to despair, lamentation and grief. But if we fulfill the training and if we uh, behave and embody the Buddha's teachings, then this situation, other situations like it, will not be a cause of fear. They will not disturb us. We will receive them rather as a sign, a greater sign of the naturalness of these phenomena in the world. If we look back historically, there have been pandemics, uh, epidemics, maybe not pandemics, not with this kind of global effect because there weren't airplanes and there weren't uh, connections that were so broad based as in our time hundreds, hundreds of people died, thousands of people died, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, in cycles, again and again and again, these phenomena repeat. And also worlds arise and cease. And this world too is impermanent. It's conditioned and it has the nature to arise and cease. There's really nothing in this world that we can hold on to. But if we dwell with ourselves as our own island, knowing the truth, three characteristics of all conditions, they're impermanent, they, they bring suffering because we cannot control the changingness of these phenomena. Neither our bodies and minds, neither those of anyone, neither the, the systems in the world, neither the world itself. But we hold our refuge in 
the enlightened mind, the awakened mind. In the Dhamma, the truth of this teaching, and in those who practice it and bring it to life. And if we uphold the sila, sila in body, speech, and mind, and right livelihood, and if we practice our meditation and develop right way of seeing and understanding the truth, taking the refuge in the Dhamma is seeing the Four Noble Truths, they're the arising of suffering, suffering, the arising of suffering, the possibility of its ending within us, and the Noble Eightfold Path leading to that consummation of the teaching. Then we will have vanquished fear and there will be no fear, no disturbance, no agitation, no restlessness, no insecurity in the face of any worldly conditions. So the Buddha, when he lost his greatest disciples, he could abide without disturbance of heart. And the Sangha continued to develop and train. And the Dhamma wheel continued to turn. And so it is for us, we have a great opportunity here to continue to turn the wheel within us. But if we dwell thinking about the past, thinking about the future, right now, people are worried, very worried about the future and very longing for things to return to normal. What's normal? What is normal? The true norm is the Dhamma within. And anything to do with the world around us cannot arise, cannot ascend to that level of perfection, that level of sublimity. So if we take refuge in how the world should be and in fulfilling our wanting on the level of worldly conditions, we will just create more suffering and more delusion. And we will never be satisfied. And it's really important to see what is our real protection at times like this. There's a very <clears throat> beautiful sutta in which uh, there are two acrobats and one acrobat stands on the shoulders of the other and the, um, the girl who ascends on the shoulders of her partner 
he says to her, now you, you take care of me and I'll take care of you. And that's how we'll successfully perform our act. And she says, no, no, that's not how we will be successful. If I take care of myself and you take care of yourself, then I can get down safely and we can successfully perform this act. Of course, they were performers. We're not trying to be performers, but it, this, it's a metaphor. And it's a beautiful metaphor because what she meant was that if we, if we protect ourselves through mindfulness, through applying mindfulness in all that we do, using our uh, virtue of mind, virtue of speech and virtue of conduct, that kind of mindfulness, supporting that which is wholesome. It's like having a training in daily life, not just a training on retreat or when you meditate and restraining the mind in a practice situation, but bringing the practice into the fold of um, pandemic, of sickness, of losing our jobs or being housebound, being in lockdown. It's like being in a monastery. Now you all know what it's like to be in a monastery. You're cloistered. We're here living as we always do, cloistered. It is different because people don't come and miss you all. But you are not far away because you're in our heart. And miraculously, we're still being fed, not virtually. There's real food coming. But it's not the food of the body that gives us the joy, it's the food of the heart. And the food of the heart is always the Dhamma. It's always the goodness that we cultivate that protects us when we're in a balancing act. And things are so delicate, fearful. And we can bring, out of that fear, we can bring non-fear. Out of that insecurity, we can turn to the only thing which can give us refuge. The world may never be normal again, but if we can get our minds around that and find the place of dying to that wanting the things to be normal, then we will have learned how to protect ourselves from falling into the old patterns of following greed, hatred, ill will, and delusion. And then the, the other, uh, the way that we protect each other is by being patient, being forgiving, being tolerant, of how others are or how others behave at times like these. Being forgiving and tolerant and compassionate and so compassionate that we can extend compassion even to people who, who protest what should not be protested or even people who violate in ways that violation shouldn't be committed. And people who continue to follow paths that are harmful, 
that we ourselves try not to harm. So we turn ourselves to non-harming, to renunciation, to reconciliation, to gratitude, even when we are lacking what we were used to having. We just look for the blessing in what we do have. And we wish each other strength. We wish each other fortitude, endurance, health, safety, security. And we practice in that way, turning everything towards the blessing that it is, rather than what it can promise us. Because really, the promise is nothing. There is no promise. There is no future. There's only now. That is what we practice. When we sit together, we practice having no future. So if we can bring that into times when the thinking mind wants a future, we just say, no, no. Come back to what is here now. Not what we want, but what can we be grateful for here? And that is the promise of nothing. Because promising is always taking us out of the moment. So it's kind of, it's not a blind faith, but it's a, a wise faith, a faith in that which is true in this present breath, in this present abiding, which is empathetic to the suffering of all. But we turn our minds to the one place within us, the core within us, that is balanced, that can balance itself in the Dhamma. Even if we have to let go this life, at least we can die with wisdom and with compassion, rather than frantic and deluded. These are very perhaps austere and sublime standards, but this is the time to hold them, to hold them dear and precious and to hold them up so that our hearts can be uplifted rather than feel downtrodden by conditions. The currency of COVID is not fear, and ill will, but it's resilience and forgiveness. It's compassion and connection. It's communication and community. It's loving kindness and generosity. It's equanimity and undifferentiation. That means that we spread our good thoughts to all beings regardless of our opinions about them. We try to go beyond opinion and thought and open our hearts so that we have boundless qualities of compassion and love, boundless kindness. That's how we protect each other. That is how we balance. That is how we bless 
ourselves and each other. So those are just a few thoughts for this evening.